and welcome to Practical Reliability. I'm George Williams, and today we are live at the 35th International Maintenance Conference, and my guest is none other than Luke Clark from Allied Reliability. Luke, how are you? Hey, I'm doing great, enjoying Marco Island. Yeah, it is absolutely a beautiful place, right? I mean, it, it's good to be face-to-face, -face. it's good to see people, it's good to have a great time, and it's even better to do so when it's absolutely stunning outside, and the last thing you want to do is sit inside a session. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely, yeah. It, you know, it, it, it puts a smile on people's faces, so not only do we get here, we're technically working, but hey, we could step outside and, and get some of the ocean breeze, so that makes a big difference. Yeah, yeah, no yeah. doubt, no doubt. So, um, so Luke, uh, walk me through what you do for Allied Reliability. Yeah, so um, at Allied, we, we do reliability programs. We can holistically offer to our clients uh, uh, reliability plans. So um, what that means is we have condition-based monitoring group. Uh, we've got technicians all over uh, the country. And then we've also got the uh, consulting and training side. So we do work execution management, asset health, do a little bit of supply chain, um, try to provide that holistic solution to um, build your program up. So we talk about here at the conference how uh, uh, you want to build that program. A lot of companies don't even have a plan. Um, we can start from the ground up and help them build that. They absolutely, a lot of companies, they, folks don't know how to start, right? Sometimes the, the mountain of asset management and reliability looks so big absolutely. that they just have no idea where to start, right? Mm -hmm. And so what happens? They reach out to an organization like Allied and and then hopefully Ally doesn't scare the crap out of them with how complex this is, right? And so walk me through what that process is like. Absolutely, so where we start is, for one, we just kind of start the discussion of where are you at? Uh, it, it could vary. Some of our clients, again, they say that they have nothing, some of them have a little bit, right? And so, so we, we do that assessment of where are you at, what do you need? So we can offer the full suite, let's build an entire reliability program, or we can cut it up into pieces. Uh, depends where they're at, where their maturity is, what, what resources they have, and we just start the discussion from there, and we start to build up, okay, what do we need to build here for you? Right. And, right. and so, that, so that discussion starts to go down the path of what services do you need, and maybe it's data collection, maybe they need to start a CVM program and they want to start getting the data. Well, then they get that data, what do we do with the data? That's work execution management. We could feed into that. We could build a work execution management pro program for them. Um, maybe it's as simple as we need to get the list to, to get critical items, and so we can do Famicas and, and go down the path of asset health. So um, it, it's building blocks. and. If, if you ask us, preferably we would do all of them all at once, um, but, but we understand that there's constraints and there's, there's um, uh, you know, different reasons why a company may, may ask for one service over the other. So. Yeah, yeah, and, and I think you know, for folks that are maintenance and reliability professionals that are trying to continue their journey and continue to get better, that's kind of part of it, right? It's, it is a journey. Like, it's not really a flip the switch and everything's in place, right? Even if they brought in a, a company like you, like Allied to put in all of those processes, you still have to deal with the cultural evolution aspects and the people things and making sure you're aligned to your business goals. And then, of course, you got budgeting constraints. And So it, how do you, um, for folks that don't know and, and had no idea what all this was about, right? They come to a conference like this, they get overwhelmed, they call your organization up and you kind of sit down and you lay out a plan for them. How do you ease their mind on, you know, the bulk of what has to happen and like explaining to them that, you know, we're five, seven years away from where you want to be. 
Yeah. Well, one of the easiest ones is to show that they're not alone in this, and that's what's one of the great things about a conference like this, is you can come and meet hundreds and thousands of people even, and just realize that everyone's going through this journey together. And, <laughs> yeah, yeah, and, we're all a hot mess. <laughs> oh, absolutely. You know, we, we, t we talk about world class, and, yeah, and, yeah. and in our minds, every other company is world class, and mine isn't. Right, right. Um, but at the same time, you know, we, we look at it as a journey. Even the companies that ha have uh, gone down the path and, and maybe mature, um, they're still continuing that journey. It's nonstop. Yeah, I've talked to a couple people I've, I've known for a while now on, on projects, and, and I was like, hey, you guys are about, about done with your initial uh, uh, deployment. They're like, oh, well, we added more sites. And it's, <laughs> it's a continuous process, right? right? right, right. And so uh, that, that's usually the, the beginning discussion is, is look, the, this is the first step, and you're taking the right step by even just talking about it, even right. even opening the conversation, and that's that's the first step that every company has to make. Yeah, yeah, and you know, and it's always a challenge, and understanding that is critical for people because they they're trying to manage a whole program in some aspects, and when they realize they're not alone, like like we teach classes also, and even in those just basic classes that we teach you end up getting that during the networking time period, right? And you're right, it is an absolute uh, a benefit for people to realize that they're not alone here. And what's interesting about the reliability community for me is it's such an open source community, right? There are lots of platforms out there where people are sharing their knowledge, whether it's through LinkedIn or one of the, the subsequent groups or a Slack group or maintenance.org, there's all these ways that you can go and share information and blog and answer questions. So for people out there that are listening, you know, you don't have to be afraid and you're not alone. There's there's support. <laughs> it's like the reliability support groups or, you know, the, the shrink couch or whatever you want to call it, right? Like you can go out there and get this information. So it, what, did, what do they find when they go out to Allied's website? Uh, so, so when you go to Allied's website, you know you, you'll see the the full suite of the solutions that we have, and and uh, you know we we also uh, you know just talk about uh, what what do we provide and and the services, and there's some resources in there. Uh, we're we're very well connected with SMRP, uh, which is a, a nonprofit uh, a reliability uh, organization, and so. Uh, that that kind of feeds into that community that you speak of, right? So so we're we're a part of that greater community, and the, there's other service providers that do the same as we do, and and so on. And and you know you start to realize there's thousands upon thousands of companies out there doing this this same thing, right? And there's also service providers on top of it. And and I think what's interesting about this industry is, uh, you know, we in a lot of ways are, are pretty friendly with each other because we realize that there's so many opportunities for growth and, and there's so many opportunities for um, learning from each other that you know I, I, there's com there's competition um, between uh, uh, producers or service providers but at the same time we're all just trying to figure out a way to make this better and I think that's one thing that's interesting about our industry is it's, it's improving all of our processes together it is and it's it's all about servicing the industry right typically folks that are either on the consultancy side or even the correct we're passionate right I mean this this space this industry is very passionate about what they do and so even if you're on the server provider the service provider side of things you're passionate about seeing somebody's journey improve right and and we share information all the time whether we're competitors or not competitors that those things are secondary to raise everybody's bar, right? And I, you're right. That's that's definitely a positive about this this whole culture that we're in. Very cool. All right. So talk to me about uh, you're a fairly young gentleman, um, and and um, 
I know your father and I have been friends for a really long time. Uh, for those that don't know, uh, Luke is actually Kevin's uh, son. So how did you get into reliability? Was it, was it, you know, dad forcing you to do his work for him and then like he was getting paid but you were doing the spreadsheet stuff? Like how did you get into reliability? So yeah, that's the, there's kind of a long, long uh, history to that. So uh, as you said, my, my dad was is in the business and uh, when I was in high school, he had his own company and, and where it all started was he gave me a summer job and it was literally pulling job plans apart and scanning them so we could digitize them. Right. Um, and so, uh, so you know, that, that was simple enough, but just that early on, I kind of got an idea of, of what happened in this, in this business. And then um, I ended up going to college, Purdue, and uh, going for uh, industrial engineering. And um, while I was there, I uh, got an internship with uh, the facilities maintenance there. Um, and in part because I, I was familiar with maintenance and I saw that role and I was like, hey, that's something I'm, I'm familiar with. Right, right, right. And, uh, and they had Maximo. And so I got to work with the CMMS and it was, it's the perfect college job because I worked on campus. I could, I could clock in and clock out when I had to go to, go to class and come back, right? right. Um, but then on top of it, I was working with maintenance technicians, supervisors, planners, and so, I mean, it was just the perfect job, right? <laughs> and then you come home and you tell dad about how the yeah. data's structured, and he's going, oh. no, Luke, this is what you gotta do. You gotta do this, 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 this. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I would call him sometimes, and I'd be like, there's so much we could do here as far as improvements, and then he, he would go down a list, of, a laundry list of things <laughs> that, that I should be doing, and, and uh, so, yeah, we had some good conversations, and that just really got me in, into the business, and then, and then from there on, I, I got a job. I started off Maximo Consulting, specifically uh, out of college, and then, uh, and then now I made my way to uh, Allied and, and more in the work execution management and asset health. So, excellent, um, excellent. Yeah, yeah it's, it's been a fun journey, and it's been a great career. Very cool. So, it, you know, as we transition and folks of your your generation start filling all the voids of the the folks that are leaving or left during COVID with all their early retirement packages and all that fun stuff. What does this industry have to do different to engage folks um, in your generation to follow a path of either STEM or you know maintenance reliability? What are we what are we doing wrong that we're not pulling in enough folks and how do we create a spoken wheel kind of thing? Yeah, it, you know, it's not a simple solution uh, because there's a lot of different factors that are pulling at it. Um, you know, the way I look at it, and we saw it here with IMC where we saw Spot and Boston Dynamics, right? I, I think the way that we're pulling more younger people in is through the technology aspect, and, and I, that's, that's where I see the draw. Um, I think the difficulty that we've run into with this industry um, on the upfront, and I, I've seen it change uh, at least over my, my career, is um, at first the, the way people got in was starting as a technician, making your way up, be a team lead, supervisor, and then 20 years later, then it's like, oh, now I can work in services or, or be right. all right. And I think that's been one of the difficulties for getting the younger generation is that they see this career path being something that takes 20, 30 years to get to the, the point that you want to be. Uh, and I think technology has changed that. Uh, so someone can be a college grad and learn technology, learn a CMMS, learn some robotics, learn sensors, and, and actually get their foot in the door. And so I, I think that's starting to change where, uh, with the lack of a better term, it's getting a little more sexy <laughs> for, right, right, for, right. for uh, <laughs> maintenance reliability. And so I, I think that's a good way to get, get the foot in the door. Um, and, and since we're, we're starting to see these new technologies that's, that's embracing um, uh, more than just uh, someone who's able to uh, turn a wrench and, and spend the, all those years getting that experience, 
we can learn through data, through experiences, through technology. And so um, I think we're getting there, but that's the angle that we're going to have to look at, especially to get that younger generation into this business. Yeah, I mean, you know, in today's environment, you want to learn how to do something, you just Google it, right? Yeah. And you, you, you watch a video and, you know, if you can follow it, you can pretty much learn it. So, yep. Yep. Um, I, you know, we, we as an industry need to start thinking in terms of that, in terms of how we build solutions for clients, right? It, it's no longer going to be a 60-page manual RCM. Here's your RCM study, and I hand you a 60-page book yeah. that you then leave on the shelf and don't implement anyway. Now it has to be, you know, it, it, it's got to be autonomous in terms of how it is implemented, right? I mean, we've got to provide the solution that, that gets them to the end goal and allow them to work in the context of making good choices, not in the context of figuring it out from the ground up all the time. Yeah, and and it goes hand in hand too. You know, we talk about the the, digit, di, the digitization of of our industry and and putting out these technologies and gathering this data and how important that is. And they, they go hand in hand because today's technician can it does so much more than they did 40 years ago. A technician today, when I when I go work with technicians out in the field. They use mobile solutions, they, they track data, they, they use sensors. You know, they're highly technical in a lot of ways. Um, it's not the same as go out there and turn a wrench. And so we've seen a lot of technicians with our clients that are moving up pretty fast. You know, they work five years as a technician and the next thing you know, hey, they're a valuable member who, who has experience yeah, yeah. Um, on the field. And so um, when we talk about bringing in that younger generation, digitization is, is actually allowing us to um, uh, to speed up the process and and have experience because we have years of data that people can learn from and and we don't just have to learn by being on the field for years and years so they go hand in hand so right, if, if right. you're a, a cutting edge uh, company you're gonna attract that younger generation anyway and in the process improve your company yeah and I think you know there was this trend this this evolution from the data perspective where you know, everything was on paper and then, you know, these databases or CMS systems come out and now it's an electronic filing cabinet. And then you go through the evolution, re, you know, more recently where some analytics can take place and it can give you some info. But there's a step further now where that data has become normalized across different applications. And now you can do cross database analysis, which used to be extremely clunky to do. And now that's really simple to do. And the next step of that is, well, let's create the algorithms that make the choices, right? And so the people coming up don't know, they don't have to know how do I collect the data. They don't have to know how do I pull it all from multiple places. They don't have to know how do I analyze it in Excel or whatever tool you may have had. They don't need to know those things. They need to know, um, they need to understand how those things are interrelated and how that interrelationship provides data that they can make choices with, right? And, and so I think that's interesting. It's it, it like it used to be uh, weeks of analysis to make one good choice to change one thing you want to do. Now it's at your fingertips and the system's going to be telling you here are here are your options and here are how they're related, make a good choice, right? And so they have to be able to make good choices and it's more like fine tuning than clunky analysis, right? Yeah, it's yeah. so cool. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, and and you know in that process you're going to attract new employees and and you're going to have jobs that that can teach you a slew of skills um, um, and, and it eliminates that fear of of um, I might lose my job 
um, because of a lack of diversity, uh, which is I think something that millennials and, and the younger generations really value is that I, I want to have a job where I have valuable skills and, and can continue on. And, and I think when you can offer that, that's when you become a very attractive um, uh, business and industry. Yeah, no doubt. I, I think you're right. They, they, uh, there's a need, I guess, to continually evolve, right? And so if they are stagnant, they go. Yep. And, and you see that in, in the world today. And so you have to stimulate. It's not just the position. You have to stimulate that position. Uh, and and right now we're not so good at it. So, <laughs> and that's why people bounce all over the place, you know. So uh, hopefully organizations can get it. I think, you know, the generation prior to mine, it was well, you've got a pension. If you leave, you're stupid. Like you know, you've got this loan. But then pensions disappeared, and it's 401k. So the pension is not there anymore. So the reason to stay is not, you know, the not that it was a good reason, but the the reason to stay has disappeared. Well, if you want to retain people, you have to change that. They have, they have to have a reason, right? So there has to be a stimuli to create that. And you're saying it's the evolution of the person, right? Focus on the person, continue to give them good skills, give them a path forward to continually be successful. Yeah, and to take your analogy further, uh, where I think the pivot point for, for at least my generation, because um, you mentioned the pensions going away for uh, the generation prior to yours, is 2008 when the recession happened, for, for my age, a lot, of, a lot of us were in high school and college at that time. And so our view on the workforce was drastically changed at that time. Um, because up to that point, there was the idea that you go work at a plant and it's consistent. And that's a good job that you can rely on. Well, we watched a lot of our parents, our friends' parents, um, lose their jobs. And that loyalty, you hear it a lot, millennials don't have loyalty, right? Uh, well, I wouldn't say that millennials don't have loyalty, but there is a bit of a mistrust, and that's because of the, the generation that we grew up in, the time period that we grew up in. And, and I, I think there is loyalty out there, but it's it's loyalty that feels the need to be earned. Right, and, right, and right. So right. and so that I, there are ways to earn that, and and it's it's just just a different different mindset. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, look, at the end of the day, you're responsible for your own success in life, and you're responsible for um, your path and it has to be what's right for you right and and people do this all the time and and what I used to say to folks you're worth whatever somebody's willing to pay you and you should always be looking and and that was my mantra for a long time and I spent 15 years in in pharmaceuticals and you know I I have taken an offer and put it on my boss's desk and said you know give me a reason to stay you know and, and I've done that and I've looked for positions after that and and I didn't, uh, you know, leave until until later. But I think this generation is always looking for, uh, and I guess it's misinterpreted as being selfish. But in my mind, it's a me first attitude towards your own life. I don't think that's a bad thing. Yeah, agreed, agreed. And you know, it, the other thing about that too is the generation before us told us, you know, don't settle. We, we were all taught not to settle, right, and right. here we are not settling, and, then, and so that, that's one thing that, that I, I've talked with other millennials, and, and you hear the, the not loyal and, and you know, just the other criticisms that you kind of stereotypically hear, and that, that's part of it. It's just we were taught 
live the best life you could live. And, you know, sometimes, sometimes that's making tough decisions. And so, yeah, I, I just think with the millennial generation, it, it's just a different, different way to look at it. And, and there, there are ways that you can, you can draw them in and keep them. And, and I, I can speak for myself. It's, 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 yeah, I just value the individual. I value my, my work life balance and, and everything that feeds into that just because I, I've seen people get bitten by being too loyal is probably not the right word, but, but uh, you know, in, in the sense that they weren't looking out for themselves. Right, right. Yeah, loyal to a fault. Okay, so let's switch gears a little bit. Um, we've got just a couple minutes left. You, you, you had mentioned you guys, you're working in uh, CMMS and work management and condition monitoring and all kinds of aspects of asset management. What do you like to work in? What, which of those aspects is interesting to you? Well, so like I said, I uh, kind of started in the CMMS world, and so uh, work execution management's always been a natural one for me. And what I like about that is it's working with people. And that's why I shifted a little bit away from the CMMS work, because I started just spending a lot of time writing reports, looking at a computer, and but the part I really enjoyed was implementing and working with technicians and supervisors and saying, what, what solutions do you need? And work execution management's perfect for that because it's entirely people. It's, it's managing resources, it's, it's figuring out who fits where, and you know, how do we plan ahead with what we have. And so, so that's, that's my favorite, is work execution management, along with some of the CMMS work of, of rolling out the technology that supports work execution, execution management, because it's, it's just really feeding into that uh, for my own need of working with people and, and communicating and, and everything that feeds into that. Awesome, I love it. And I love that your response is about people, right? I mean, we hear so much about the digital twin stuff and, and they're all great things, but at the end of the day, we've got to focus on people if we want to see success. So I absolutely love hearing that. Yeah, yeah, it's, you know, tools are great and all, um, but my, my, my uh, opinion is it's not the tool, it's the people. Most tools work. Uh, not all of them, I know. Some people have had bad experiences, <laughs> so I don't want to speak for all of them, but most tools work. It's, it's about the process and the people, and so I, I, love, I love rolling out a new, new piece of technology, but the best part is seeing people succeed with the tools that they have. Awesome. So listen, look, this has been an absolute pleasure to talk to you. It's been a, a you know, quite frankly, a, a fresh outlook on on what we have to do as an industry. And you bring an interesting perspective that I really hope our listeners uh, latch on to. So um, thank you so much for being our guest on Practical Reliability. Yeah, thanks for having me. I, I was I was happy to take the opportunity and, and uh, uh, enjoyed my time here at IMC. Yeah, yeah. Continue to do that. Make sure you get some beach time. Yeah, will do. All right. Excellent. So for Luke Clark, I'm George Williams. Thank you for listening to Practical Reliability. Go make tomorrow better than today. World-class organizations recognize that success is achieved through leadership. However, they also realize that results are only delivered through engagement and the empowerment of everyone in the workforce. Leadership does not come from one person. It comes from everyone. This is especially true for reliability. The Certified Reliability Leader Workshop focuses on whole life asset reliability decisions and whole life value delivery through leadership. The system provides guidance and is a map of theory to engage and empower every stakeholder in your organization as a reliability leader. Our goal is to train professionals in the asset management and maintenance and reliability job fields to become leaders in reliability and to help attendees obtain CRL certification. 
For more information on the CRL workshop, including virtual dates and times, and in-person offerings, visit www.reliabilityweb.com events and click on the Certified Reliability Leader Workshop icon.